0: few weeks. Good morning, everyone. Um, if you are aged between 11 and 14, you're going out for soul on Sunday, so go that, that sort of direction. And if you're, if you're visiting and you're in that age group, you're very welcome to go and join them. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here of King's Church, and uh, it's my privilege to lead the team. Ah, found it. On the way in, uh, you should have received a a flyer. It's time to grow. And just for the next couple of minutes, I'll give you permission to read it. But when I start preaching, you've just got to put it away and put it under your chair. Um, We wanted to produce something that would, in a, a sort of an outline way, explain all we're looking to achieve with the building over the next 12 to 15 months. So we started off by explaining why we're going to do it. Then we've uh, gone on to explain what we're going to build and we've put other things in there, um, details of exactly what it is, the facilities we're going to end up with at the end of it. We go on to look at the cost as well um, and to see just the budget cost that we're running with at the moment and then uh, it finishes with the approximate Time frame. And as a church, we've felt over the last, it's now nearly well, since February actually, I first spoke about this, we've had a, a growing conviction um, that we need to invest into this building, particularly one of the main advantages of doing that is to make more room for our children. So this auditorium can probably take 600 uh, plus If we pack the chairs in a little tighter, you won't have the comfort you've got at the moment. But the children's space we've got at the moment um, is only for about 100 children. So we're running pretty much at capacity. And even through the summer, um, the numbers we had in our preschool age group was very high. So I know many of you guys were away on holiday, but we had many guests with us who brought their children and uh, they wanted to be with us. And so it's so important that we invest into this building and we take the next step. Now... In three Sundays' time, we're starting our season of prayer, fasting and giving. <laughs> it was a little forced, but I, I, don't, I don't blame you for that. And uh, as a church, we're not only asking over those uh, three and a half weeks for you to seek God and to uh, uh, give generously as God prompts, but we also want to have this as a season where we pray and we fast And we seek God. Because we are hungry to encounter him in greater measure. And so through those three and a half weeks we've uh, set up, I think we've got about four meetings through each week um, at different times and we give you details of those. I think they're on the website already. But we are are passionate to encounter God in greater measure. We want to know him more. As we gather as a church, Sunday by Sunday, we, we, wanna, we want to encounter him in more and more tangible ways. When the word of God is preached, we want to, it to be done with a greater anointing. And, and the hunger and desire that we as a church have in our hearts, we want that to grow greater. And so we're setting aside this time, this three and a half weeks, to really push into God. For some of you, you may decide, well, I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to just, I'm going to fast one day a week, and, and the time that I would have spent eating, and for some of you that is considerable time, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. For others of you, I've heard rumour that you might be fasting Facebook. That will give you, that will give you hours and hours of time. But the important thing is not only that do we set something aside but we set it aside so we can push in and encounter God. I've found when I've fasted I find that God seems to speak to me with fresh clarity or maybe it's not that he speaks more maybe it's I'm just in a better place to listen. And I've found that sometimes when I've been stuck and I've been struggling in an area, it's when I've fasted, it nearly helps me to refocus, bring a fresh focus. I'm not twisting God's arm, hoping by my fasting I can show how serious I am and then maybe God will answer me. It's not that, it's actually much more to do with my heart. I'm bringing that fresh focus. So I, would, I want to encourage you, church, in this season, as we come up to it, Please, seek God now. Start thinking now, how can I engage? Where can I push him? Where can I make a difference? I'd, I'd ask you even now, when your bank statement comes through, have a look at it, and after you've cried and wept for a season, bring it before God. Start praying and say, how can I increase my giving so I can set aside finance to give to the building? So I can give to seeing what God's placed in our heart happen over these coming weeks and months. The challenge in front of us is massive. I don't think we've ever gone for anything before where we're looking for a million for the first phase. But we do know that God is able. God's good. We're continuing the small... Oh, sorry, and i I better just uh, mention this. Within... Within the flyer, there's also a pledge form. Now, we've put it in there early, just so you can read it and digest it a little bit, because at first glance, it may take a little bit of reading. But it's just so that we have an idea um, of what we can expect to be given over the next 15 months. So we're asking you to seek and pray God and think, not only how much can I give in this season, but actually, by the end of 2012, which seems a very long way away, how much... How much, if I set some things aside, if I make some changes here or there, how much can I give? How much can I set aside? And so uh, I'll just ask you to have a look at that and uh, we'll explain more about it as we uh, get closer to the 25th. This morning we're continuing our series in John's Gospel. Um, Jesus, incomparable or irrelevant? And uh, over the last uh, few weeks we've been, uh, we've been working our way through. And this morning we reach chapter 7. Now chapter 7 is, 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 is a very, very important bit of John's Gospel. There are some particular verses that I'm sure many of you will be very familiar with. And there are some other verses in John 37 that you may have just have skimmed over. My intention this morning is just to give you a bit of background. And then we're just going to read four verses, five verses and I'm going to do my best to explain uh, what they mean and what relevance they have to us as a church in this season, because I believe there's a, there's a sort of prophetic edge to them that brings particular um, relevance to us as a church. Now, at the beginning of chapter 7, it may even, uh, may even be headed up in your Bible, something to do with the feast... Um, of, this isn't a good start, Feast of Tabernacles. And the setting is that the Feast of Tabernacles is just coming up, or, or it also was known as the Feast of Boobs. It was a festival that lasted for about eight days, or actually it didn't last for about eight days, it lasted for eight days in Jerusalem, and it was a time when tens, and f- tens of thousands of Israelites would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate and remember all that God had done when he had provided for them, not that particular generation, but generations before when they had wandered in the desert. Because Israel, after they had been delivered from Egypt, wandered in the desert for 40 years, and every day God provided supernaturally for them, manna from heaven, quail, and water. And God provided... God provided for them, and it was a feast of remembrance. It's a feast remembering all that God had done in past generations. And as they remembered what God had done in the past, it gave them faith and confidence for today. The same God that had delivered Israel and provided for over, um, well, nearly two million people hundreds of years before is the same God that they were worshipping today. Now, Jesus was staying away from Jerusalem at that time due to opposition. The religious leaders of the day wanted to take his life. They saw him as as a real threat. His brothers had actually encouraged him to go to Jerusalem. I don't know if you've got siblings who are a little bit like that. Um, You should go to Jerusalem. It's a dangerous place for you to be. Um, But it wasn't actually because of that. It's because Jesus had been around Galilee. He was doing amazing miracles. He was doing amazing teaching. And what they were saying is, look, Jesus, if you want national prominence, you need to be in Jerusalem, where all the movers and shakers are. And so they tried to persuade him to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. But he said his time had not yet come. He said to them he wasn't going to attend. And so his brothers and the rest of the people from his community, they headed up to Jerusalem. Jesus stayed behind, but after a little while, he changed his mind. don't know why the Bible doesn't say why he changed his mind, but he headed up to Jerusalem a little bit later. And about three to four days into the festival, Jesus goes up to the temple and he starts to teach. And the response to his teaching is a real mix. Some people are absolutely amazed at his teaching and they're saying, he must be the Messiah. Others are saying, well, he's, he's clearly a great man. He must be a prophet. Some people think he's a con man. They just think, I don't, we don't know how he's doing these miracles, but he must be a con man. And some thought he was demon-possessed. There was a real mix in the response. And if you read um, John chapter 7, you'll see that right the way through. Jesus is teaching, but people don't quite know how to take him. And this, his teaching on, goes on and, on and off for about three to four days and then on the last and the greatest day of the feast. And to set the scene, I want you to imagine this picture. If any of you have ever been to a football match and at the end of the match you've got everyone coming out of the stadium. Or if any of you have ever been to a concert And you have the hordes of people leaving the concert at the end. There's just people as far as the eye can see. Everyone is buzzing because of what they have seen, what they have experienced. And on the way out there, everyone's leaving the temple. This amazing festival of dancing and celebration and eating and lighting lanterns. Everyone's leaving and Jesus stands up in a prominent place. And he says this, on the last and greatest day of the feast, so this is verse 37, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me a drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some people said, "Surely, this man is a prophet, is the prophet." Others said, "He is the Christ." Lord Jesus, I thank you for the um, opportunity to encounter you as we worshiped earlier. Lord, I thank you for the real sense of your presence with us and how you spoke to us. Lord, I pray for your presence to be very much with us right now. I pray, Lord, would you please empower me, help me to communicate really well. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be good ground, ready to receive the word. Come and have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Santino looked at this passage a few weeks ago. Um, I'm going to bring it, come at it from a slightly different angle. But I felt I couldn't work my way through the Book of John without spending time in these very familiar but significant verses. I'm going to look at this passage under four headings. The first one is what about Christ? What is Jesus looking at? We're then going to look at what about yourself? What about you as an individual? What relevance does this passage have to you as an individual? We're then going to look about what about the church? What about us together? <coughs> does this church, does this uh, these verses have any significance for us? And lastly, then what about our town? What do these verses speak for our town and the communities that we are serving? What are these verses talking about? Well, in some ways they're pretty clear because John actually explains what he means in verse 39. Jesus stands up and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him, were later to receive. What Jesus is talking about here is the gift or the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you know your Bibles in the book of Joel and Jeremiah, prophets hundreds of years before had prophesied there was a day coming where the promise, the third person of the uh, Trinity, the Holy Spirit, was going to be poured out on all flesh. Not just on prophets, not just on priests or kings, not just on one or two significant men or women in the nation, but actually the promise of the Spirit. Powerful living was coming to all people. All All true Israelites, all those who believed in God, the gift of the Spirit was available. And Jesus is picking this theme up and he's saying, actually that promise is coming very, very soon. That promise is available in me. When I have been lifted up, when I have been crucified and then glorified, the promise of the Spirit is coming. And it's 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 not just for the Max Redknaps of this world. It's not just for those that lead worship, it is for anyone who has given their life to Jesus Christ and is following him, the promise of the Spirit. Power for living. Power to overcome sin. Gifts of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit growing within. Not, not by my own human effort. It's not that I am justified by faith. It's not I'm declared righteous as a gift and then, hey, I've got to get back to the, 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 the sort of, oh, just working, pushing a heavy weight up a hill. Oh, I've got to do it all on my own effort. No, the gift of the Spirit. A Spirit empowering for all people. And if you read the book of Acts, which I would encourage you to do, certainly if you haven't done it for a while, you will see one of the hallmarks of the early church was they were a, they were a people saturated with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, there was a group of men and women cowering in the upper room When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were absolutely transformed. They come out of the upper room, they start speaking in different languages as God enabled them. They were unschooled, they were untaught, they were uneducated men, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking out. And people from different nations could understand what they were doing. They were declaring the mysteries of God. Absolutely wonderful. Then Peter, who had run away from a servant girl, stands up and proclaims the full gospel. To hundreds and hundreds of people, and there's this wonderful and awesome response. It's, it's, not, it's not that actually Peter just manned up. It wasn't that he just said, oh, "I'm going to, oh, I'm, I'm going to be strong." They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a distinct, um, it was a distinct and separate thing from their salvation. They already knew Christ. They already put their trust in Him. It was a separate event. If uh, you've got your Bibles with you, turn uh, with me to Acts chapter 19, verse 1. This is another such um, uh, time when the Holy Spirit comes on a group, on on some individuals separate to their salvation, separate to their understanding and giving their life to Jesus Christ. While Apollos was at Corinth... Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, a massive city with real significance in the region. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I mean, that question in just how he's asked communicates that he had an understanding that it was possible to believe in Jesus and not receive the Holy Spirit. So he said, did you? Did you? Did you, John, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Well, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Now, John was a prophet that came just before Jesus. He baptised people. He was like a forerunner. He was opening the way for Christ. But they hadn't heard about Jesus. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptised in water. When when, when do you baptise someone? Before or after salvation? So you baptise someone after salvation, yet in water. So they made a confession, faith in Christ, they're baptised in water, then What happens? When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues, they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. It was a separate event after salvation, after baptism in water. Hands were placed upon them. They received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now you can receive baptism in the Spirit at point of conversion. But it certainly seems to be, from what I know, a more common experience that it is an event afterwards. It can be very quickly afterwards. But it's a receiving by faith. Let me ask you a question. Firstly, have you received Christ? Do you you know him as your Lord and Saviour? When we were singing those songs of worship, is your heart there saying, Oh yes, Jesus, you are wonderful. Wonderful. Or or was it in your heart you were intrigued, you were captivated, but you you, you couldn't sing it? It wasn't your song. It wasn't your song you were singing. As Santino said, "This, this Jesus, he's alive from the dead. He'd love, he'd love to meet with you today. Myself and Sam would love the opportunity to explain more about this Jesus that means so much to us and hundreds of others. But if you have received Christ, do you know those streams of living water flowing from within you? Do you know that you have been baptised and empowered by the Holy Spirit? If you don't, there's a promise available. What, What about you? It says, if anyone is thirsty, Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty? When you came in this morning, were you thirsty to encounter God, or did you just wander in? If anyone is thirsty, Jesus said, "Come to me and drink." What? What? What a massive thing! Can you imagine if I said that to you? To you, if anyone is thirsty, you come to me and drink. It's what Jesus did on the last and greatest day of the feast. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Have, do you know you're filled with the Spirit? At the end, I would love to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit, if you haven't been. It says, streams of living water will flow from within you. The promise isn't just for Christians who have meet, reached a certain level of maturity. The promise isn't for those who just like touchy-feely things. The promise is for anyone who is thirsty and knows Christ. You may be here today and you're not thirsty because actually it is possible to drink at many different places. You can have your, your thirst quenched in a number of different areas But what you find is nothing quenches your thirst like Jesus Christ. Adrian said it last week. He said sometimes, and it's a sad thing, but sometimes as Christians we can spend so long nibbling at the table of the world that our appetite for God is so diminished. It just reduces nearly to nothing. This season we're coming into as a church is in a sense giving you an opportunity to Realign some of those things to, as it were, look to increase your appetite for God. It may be many good things that you're pursuing, many good things that you are uh, looking for to uh, quench that thirst. You may be pursuing a career, or you may be looking to live a good life or follow the rules or find uh, satisfaction in relationships or, or in money. None of them, in a sense, are bad things, but they won't satisfy, like Christ I won't satisfy like him. And, friend, you who have, you already have tasted of God, don't, don't be satisfied with second best when you can encounter and know Christ and be living in such a way with him that, that well, he says, gives life to the full. You may be trying to satisfy your thirst through things that are destructive. Alcohol or drugs. Maybe pornography or just pursuit of possessions. I, 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 I just want more. I think if I get this thing, I, I will be satisfied. No. Christ and him alone. He, he satisfies. Let me... I, I, I want this to be a taster I, I, I want this to stir you up I want this to provoke you that as we enter into this season of prayer and fasting you take it seriously no, no one can take it seriously for you it's only, it's only you you've got to make that decision yourself or maybe as a couple you make that decision we're going to give ourselves afresh to God we're going to be pushing into him do it do it friend don't, don't, don't be passive don't don't. I'll make the decision another day because before you know it, it, this season will have rushed by. It's an opportunity. Give yourself afresh to prayer. Give yourself afresh to the word. Give yourself afresh to worship. If God's given you the gift of speaking in tongues, pray in tongues a lot. I pray in tongues in all different times and all at different occasions and and I find it does it. It increases my hunger for God, my passion for him. Look to keep in step with the spirit. As I said, when I fasted, and uh, I only fast every now and again, but when I do, I have found it helps me to see with fresh clarity. And often I find I need to realign my life and it does me benefit. It does Chloe, my wife, benefit. It does my boys' benefit. It does those I influence benefit as I do that, and the same is exactly true for you. What about you? Are you thirsty for God this morning? What about us as a church? I and I, I think you'll agree with me here if you've been around for a little while. I think one of the hallmarks of this church is that we are hungry for Christ. I think historically, if you look back at our past, one of the hallmarks that has stood us out as a church is that we have been hungry to encounter God. That's often expressed, I believe, when we come together and pray. There is a hunger and a desire and a thirst for God. We mustn't lose that, church. We must continue to be open and pursue God it's sort of um, all linked together but I'll, I'll, I'll touch this again can I, can I ask respectfully do you find that your hunger for God is satisfied on a two hour meal every week Do you find that, hey, as long as you attend church, my hunger is satisfied? That's not not the relationship when Christ said, come follow me. That's not what he had in mind. was an hour and 45 a week. Was it? That's not what he had in mind. He... For the disciples when he said come follow me it was, it was daily it was moment by moment and as a church although I, my, my heart and my prayer is that the, these times when we gather together would be wonderful a wonderful oasis in the week a wonderful watering hole in the week where we do come and drink and we do come and encounter God, that, that would be my prayer, that would be my cry but, but church, my prayer for you you know you've you've been around the block a few times. You, you know God. Come on, your your hunger, your thirst isn't satisfied on such a short meal. Do any of you just eat once a week? Do any of you just eat once a day? Some of you may. Is it, what, three times a day you eat? How how much more do we need to follow, to know Christ, to feed on him? It says in Isaiah chapter 55, and I think Jesus may have had this in mind when he spoke at the temple. Isaiah 55 verse 1, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come to the waters buy and eat come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost why spend money on what does not sorry why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy listen listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare now now that is my prayer for sundays and in this season we're, we're going to pray that our Sunday mornings are times of dynamic encountering, of, of, of times where we feast and we enjoy God. And actually, for those that know nothing at the moment of the truth that we hold so dear, it can be a time where they can find real milk and real wine and find bread that truly does satisfy. But, but that's, that's not just achievable through a good prep or something. It's the work of God, isn't it? I want these Sundays to be wonderful, dynamic times. I want community groups, church, when we gather, and when we pray as community groups, to be times of great encounter, of feeding on God, of growing bigger in God, of enjoying His Spirit. Just maybe while ones or twos of you meet together to pray, that is bread. Come, if you're thirsty, come to the waters. You you don't need money, you don't need a certain level of intellect, you don't need a Christian background, you don't need any of that. You just need to be thirsty and hungry. Come, eat and drink. Enjoy God. Find your deepest needs satisfied in Christ alone. As a church, that's what we offer. That's what increasingly, more and more, we need to offer as we look to reach different segments of of our society, whether it's youngsters in the town centre on a Friday night, whether it's the poorest and neediest who who maybe don't have groceries to put on the table, whether it's the lost and hungry in Bexhill or Downs Farm, whether it's those from overseas and they're visitors here and they, they have no friends, we've got bread that satisfies We've got milk and wine that quenches a thirst. Why? Not not because it's within us, but because we have the hope of the Gospel. We've been joined with Christ. We have been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's what we've got. It's who we are. A little bit later in Isaiah 55, it says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it blood and flood." bud, blood, bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater so my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Oh, that that would be more and more the case as we speak. More and more the case as we preach as we share the word at community group, that, do you know what I mean? It, it, it accomplishes all that it was sent to do. Alpha, Stephen Beck, as you share the word at Alpha, as you open up what the Bible says, it's bread, it's milk, it's wine, it satisfies, it, it meets the deepest needs of those that do not yet know Christ. And, and church, we, we need to grow in confidence of the truth of the hope that is contained uh, that we have, that God has given to us. What about our town? Our dear town and surrounding communities are thirsty. I know many of you would know that much more than, than I know it, because of where you work, what, the, the people that you meet. They're thirsty. They drink from leaking or polluted water supplies, looking for inner peace, security and worth. Only to find that it makes them sick. It destroys the very thing promised it fails to deliver. Every human heart has an inbuilt thirst... And I think some of the communities that we serve are maybe thirstier than, mo- than most. Now, I'm going to say four or five things here. I'm not, I'm not saying these things so that we can stand there and say, isn't society terrible? And they really should sort themselves out. I say these things because my prayer is, as I say them, it will move our hearts and it causes us to pray and to seek God and ask for his intervention and stirring us to intervene as well. We shared some of these things about three months ago. In our dear community, the teenage pregnancy rate is 80% higher than elsewhere in the southeast. In our community, our dear young men are struggling to achieve their potential in, in a greater way, actually, than our young ladies are. Certainly, if you were to look at GCSE results, there's, there's, a, there's a marked difference. They're thirsty. We have more under-18s admitted to hospital on alcohol-related instances than, again, across the southeast. Our average is higher. Nearly one-third of our youngsters... Live below the poverty line, and in 2009, there were there were there were over 500 um, abortions carried out in in our community. I, I don't say these things that. We, we can look and we can say, well, hey, they really shouldn't happen, but well, we're okay here. So our, our hearts have been moved. The reason we're here and not in heaven is because God plans for us to make a difference. The reason he poured his spirit upon us and gave us great power is because we can't do it on our own. Is anyone thirsty... Well, if we're not thirsty, God help Hastings. Because Hastings is. Hastings is very thirsty. In John chapter 7, going back to the passage we were looking at, we see that this living water, this this thirst will be satisfied but it says that streams of living water will flow from within us. It's, it's not a static pond, it's not like um, one of those water butts that you have attached to the bottom of your gutter and it just fills up but it's, it's a stream that flows out. Why does it flow out? Because God's calling us to be a blessing. God's calling to take all the blessings we've received and give them to those that don't yet know Christ. Isaiah 55, verse 13, if you've still got your finger in, in that, if not, don't worry, it says this, instead of the thorn bush, will grow the pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. Um, if you're not a gardener, these things won't mean a great deal to you, don't mean a great deal to me, if I'm honest. But what it is talking about is blessing. If... if Before, something grew that wasn't useful, it wasn't really wanted, actually in its place. After drinking deeply of God, something wonderful will grow in its place. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. God promises blessing. God is in the business of transforming the lost and broken into the fixed up and found. Isn't that right, church? That's what our testimony is. John, can you come and share just a little story of what happened at the pub a few weeks ago?
1: Hello. Yes, we're on.
0: Um, yeah, so basically
1: maybe two weeks ago when I uh, visited for Steve's wedding and we came to church and a few of us went out after church to Wetherspoons for some food and one of the guys, I think he was one of the cooks from the kitchen, obviously he had not much work to do, came out with just some clearing some plates away and, um, and he came over to our table, We kind of hobbled over at a bad leg and heard that Juliet Rackstraw was doing something in physiotherapy and heard that being said. And uh, so he kind of made a joke and said, Oh, I've got kickboxing soon and I've got such a bad leg. You can help me out if you like. And then kind of smirked and then walked off.
0: Me and uh, Joe Thurston immediately caught eyes and really got stirred by the Holy
1: Spirit that we've got to pray for this guy. And just like that, just wouldn't go away. We just thought, Right, we've got to get this guy and pray for him. He didn't come over again. So at the end, we went and found him. And I just said to him, look, do you mind if we just pray for you? We, we feel like God wants to heal you. We're all Christians here. Would you mind if we pray? And he was very open to that. So he came over to the side, um, and we, we just told him a little bit about what we are going to do. And, um, and I just said to him, what would you need to happen for you to know that our God has healed you and he said I just want to feel some warmth in my leg or I just want to, all the pain to be gone so we are like great we're going to pray and as soon as we started praying I was kind of crouched down praying for his knee and, uh, and I think Joe and my sister Jenny had a bit of a hard, hard time praying because as soon as we started praying he was just talking and shouting going oh, I'm feeling heat this is so weird what's going on oh, pain's going and um and so we carried on praying, and eventually we just stopped. And, and what was amazing is that even before we said, test it out, see what's happened, we, we knew he had been healed, and he knew he had been healed, because his face was just in shock. And he was shaking our hands before we had even told him to try it out. And so then he tried it out. He was sitting on the side of like that, and he just literally started bending his leg, and he, just, he was going... Wow, thank you so much and shaking all your hands and it was great and it, he, I think he had more work to do so he went and walked off and I literally just had a chance to quickly say to him look it's not what we've done it's our God that's healed you he loves you he's real and, um, and then he just started wandering off but what was funny is he was going down to all the other tables and was like look there's people over
0: there been in my <laughs> it's
1: made, made my leg better. So it's great. And just what Paul was saying about when people come out of a concert and you get a real buzz. There's no greater buzz than knowing that you're serving God. It's re- and even though we didn't get to really share much about Jesus, we know that's not the point. It's that we're living a life serving him and being how Jesus did. And we know we have faith that God's going to continue to do what he's already started in this guy. Thank you. Thanks,
0: Isn't it wonderful? Now, please don't misunderstand me. This is just one, one way this message could have been responded to. But I don't want you all going to the pub for lunch and all these poor cooks getting a... Have you got anything wrong? But, but I think it, it, it's a demonstration, an example of how we can make a difference. And it's not all joined up. We don't always get the end of the story. We don't know. John doesn't know how the end of the story will go for this man. But he, he stepped out, he, he made a difference. Max, can I ask you and the band to uh, come back up? We're going to just finish in in worship and just an opportunity. I really wanted us to have an opportunity to drink again of God. We're going to sing some songs that will provide an opportunity for us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. Our town is so thirsty. Our town is so very thirsty. And I know many of you are very thirsty as well that let's push in and say, oh God, fill me up because you've sent me out and I need your power and your strength. I cannot do it on my own. Why don't you just stand where you are And uh, why don't you just raise your hands and just, I'm sure different bits of the message will have spoken to each of you. And why don't you just start talking out your prayers to God? Start doing business. If it's a fresh filling, just say, Holy Spirit, would you please come and fill me? If it's you've just know you've you've been feeding from other sources, drinking from other wells, and they're not satisfying. Why don't you tell God that? Why don't you ask Him to forgive you for that? Let's just start speaking, we do business with God and then we're just going to spend the last five, ten minutes we've got worshipping and inviting the Spirit to come. We so need him, we're so thirsty for him. But that that invitation, that free invitation, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And it's not just a one-off drink, We, we, we need to drink regularly. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fill us afresh. I pray even even now if there are things that have been distracting us from you, we've filled our lives with other things and just given no time for you please forgive us, please would you highlight those to us search our hearts O God, see if there's any offensive ways within us and lead us in the way everlasting Lord, grow our hunger for you, not not for our sake, but for the sake of a town that is desperately thirsty but doesn't know where to go to be satisfied. Fill us afresh, we pray. Fill us afresh, we pray.